Hi there. Welcome to Mushroom Hour. Today on Mushroom Hour, we are interviewing Mr. Tony Shields of Fresh Cap Mushrooms. Tony has been fascinated by kingdom fungi basically since birth. Was it because they're the fifth kingdom, different from any other living organism? Was it because they have the potential to save the world? Was it because of the undeniable health benefits of medicinal mushrooms? Or was it because mushrooms have the power to either heal our bodies, send us on bewildering journeys, or end our lives altogether? I would guess all of the above. His journey so far has seen him build his own mushroom farm, teach people around the world about cultivation, and ultimately dive into the world of medicinal fungi with his company, Fresh Cat Mushrooms. His passion for mushrooms is palpable, and he's the proud father to the largest pet rishi I've ever seen. And if you don't get that reference, look at their Instagram. Tony, it's great to have you on the show. Hey, man, it's really great to be here as well. This is uh, really exciting, and that was a great intro, so thank you very much. Well, it was easy because I took it from your website where it was already well-written. So pat yourself on the back for that one. Um, So there's a lot to cover. I want to get into kind of all the angles of Tony with mushrooms. There's mushroom cultivation, teaching people. Obviously, we're going to get into Fresh Cap, the medicinal mushroom company. Um, But I guess where I usually want to start with people is kind of the origin. How did you get into mushrooms? Is it something in the family or when did they... I said at birth, I think obviously it wasn't, no one comes out of the womb interested in mushrooms. So what was your first introduction? How'd you get into it? You know what? It was kind of at birth. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) No, my family wasn't necessarily really into mushrooms. You know, I've always just been kind of interested uh, in the natural world just out of curiosity. Um, But I can't really tie back to exactly when I got interested in mushrooms. I remember, you know, some of my early memories were, you know, asking my mom, when I was a little kid, like, hey, can we don't go down to the, the garden center and get a mushroom kit? I want to grow mushrooms. And she was like, I don't think those really exist. And like, sure enough, at the time, they really didn't. I mean, I'm sure you could get them somewhere, but like, it wasn't a common thing uh, to try and grow mushrooms. Now, of course, you can get kits everywhere. You were ahead of your time. I was ahead of my time. Yeah, I should have started doing them back then. Jeez. Um, but, you know, it's always been so interesting to me and I can't figure out why. Like, I've always wanted to go out in the forest and search for them. You know, it's always kind of hunt. You never know what you're going to find. Uh, there's different mushrooms in the forest every day, even different times of the day. Um, so they've just been super fascinating to me. And the more I learn about them, the more I dig into it, the more interesting they become. So it's just kind of this endless, um, you know, stream of learning about mushrooms. Ever since a young age. Now, you are from Canada. I could tell just by the accent. Yeah. Were there any cultural influences in Canada? Or was it like England in the U.S. growing up? Was it kind of like more mycophobic, myco-neutral? Yeah, I would say it's just myco-unaware. Not necessarily mycophobic. Oh. I mean, people know about mushrooms, but like nobody is really foraging for them or looking for them. It wasn't a big part of my community growing up. I mean, now, of course, it's becoming more of a thing. Um, The mycological society here is growing, you know, year by year. Um, But it definitely wasn't a cultural thing. I think if you were to go out and pick your own mushrooms and put them in a meal, people would look at you funny and most people probably wouldn't eat them. Um, So I would say we're definitely more mycophobic, kind of similar to the U.S. and and England. Okay, got it. Got it. Now, have you guys experienced that same kind of tidal wave that you know I'm very much a part of of people getting into mushrooms the past like three to four years because that's been happening in the U.S. in a huge way is that happening in Canada as well yeah it's honestly been absolutely insane like when I first got into this you know there wasn't a lot of resources especially learning how to grow mushrooms Mm. Uh, there wasn't any you know Facebook groups talking about it there wasn't a lot of stuff going on and I've definitely noticed this huge tidal wave of interest. And I first I thought that was just because I'm paying so much attention to it. Right. Um, but I just, I don't know. I don't think that's true. I think it's just more and more people are learning about this stuff and it's just growing uh, exponentially. So that's really cool to see. And we're definitely seeing it here. You know, locally, there's a lot of mushroom farms popping up. Uh, like I said, the mycological society is growing. The forages are, you know, the forays are getting huge. Um, right. And just a lot of interest in mushrooms, which I think is just totally awesome. And that's something I want to point out up front, just because my whole thing about mushrooms is foraging. That's what drove my passion. That's kind of what changed my life, got me out into nature. So it sounds like you're very much a forager. You're out in the woods hunting for mushrooms. 
Yeah, I mean, every day I love like walking in the woods with my dogs looking for mushrooms. I mean, if I'm being honest, that's not my 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 forte. Like I, I really got into mushrooms learning how to grow them. I, I still am fascinating by foraging and looking for mushrooms, but I'm not the kind of guy that can identify, you know, 2,500 different species of mushrooms. Um, but it is probably, you know, the thing I enjoy doing the most is walking around the woods looking for them for sure. Awesome. I like to see that common thread. It seems like people, if they're starting a company or doing mushroom farming, whatever the case may be, they're always into, as you so, uh, as you wrote so so well, awkwardly walking around the woods with your neck craned down looking for mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. I think it was something like that on your website. People see people walking around slowly looking for mushrooms. All right. That's awesome. Um, now, what was your just a little bit about your educational background or then maybe what did you train in? Obviously, you're interested for mushrooms at a young age. Were you yep. then into kind of biology or the sciences, mycology? Yeah, I was into all that stuff. And for some weird reason, maybe because I live in Alberta, I ended up going to school for mechanical engineering. Um, okay. So yeah, I went to university for mechanical engineering. Uh, when I graduated in 2011, I was kind of like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't really want to just go get a job like everybody else in Alberta is doing and all my friends are doing. Um, so I actually went and hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. And I kind of did that on purpose to like, you know, totally throw everything off the rail. So if, if people don't know, the Pacific Crest Trail is a continuous footpath uh, from Mexico all the way to Canada. You know, it's about three feet wide and, you know, 2,600 miles long. And um, it, it's a great place to find mushrooms actually all along the way, which is, is really cool. Um, but then I just did a bunch of weird stuff. So, you know, I, I dabbled a bit in engineering just because that's where I could get a job. But, right. you know, I was, I was a mailman. I worked at a fishing lodge. I lived in a van for a while and I did all sorts of uh, random things, which, you know, eventually kind of worked its way into the passion that I've had all along, which is mushrooms, specifically growing mushrooms and now more so entrepreneurship. So, um, yeah, it's been a really weird and, and winding journey. I definitely didn't go to school for mycology or, or anything like that, but, uh, you know, I ended up here and I couldn't be happier with what I'm doing now. Yeah. Well, and I'd imagine, you know, that mechanical engineering mindset, there are people in my family who are also engineers that can apply to so many different things and finding, you know, what is the real problem? What are the solution sets? So, you know, for someone who's into mushrooms, has an engineering background, starting a farm is not a bad, bad thing to do because you've got a lot of the mindset for efficiency, overcoming problems other people might have. Uh, and so that, when I read your website, really stuck out to me is kind of your first journey into mushrooms was actually starting a farm, which I think is a lot of people's dreams, but you don't know where to start. Yeah, uh, that was kind of a, a crazy journey. And that, that was something that, you know, evolved organically as well. Um, I never set out to start a farm when I started growing mushrooms. I just set out to grow mushrooms because I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I wanted to try and do it. Got it. Um, and, you know, I just failure after failure after failure. Like if you growing mushrooms is one of those things where at first it seems really, really impossibly hard. And then, you know, the more you do it, you get super technical and then it gets pretty easy. But then you realize you don't have to be so technical and you go back to kind of these lower tech uh, versions of growing mushrooms. But for some reason, it's different than when you just started. So I can't really explain that one. But uh, yeah, so I, I started growing mushrooms at home. And, and when you do that, then I build a laminar flow hood and you're building up a culture bank and you're growing more mushrooms than you could ever use. And you say, wait a minute. And like, why don't I grow mushrooms for other people? And that was kind of the ethos behind uh, starting a gourmet and, and medicinal mushroom farm. Um, so, you know, we did that and it was at our, we had a property outside of Edmonton, Alberta. It was like an acreage. So we built a little farm out there and we had, uh, you know, a, a lab area where we're doing all our culture work and making our own grain spawn. And we had a big fruiting room and, you know, basically the entire property just got overtaken uh, with mushrooms and, and, you know, during that time is when I thought, you know, I had so much trouble learning this stuff. Why don't I, why don't I teach other people how to learn it? So, right. you know, kind of just for fun, I started freshcatmushrooms.com, which was a blog. And I just started writing about, you know, the different things I was learning and different techniques for growing mushrooms. And that's when it kind of hit me. I noticed, wow, there's a lot of people that want to learn about this stuff. Right. And that's how it kind of evolved from, you know, being a gourmet mushroom farm locally to kind of being this place where we can teach other people and build a community around growing mushrooms. Well, and trying to start a farm, I mean, being so passionate where you dive into the level of starting a farm, especially with that engineering mentality, I'm sure you got some of the best education in terms of trial and error, being able to help people from that experiential place. Like, actually, I've tried all of these different ways of doing it. 
I know kind of the best ways of doing it. And I think that's always the best experience for people who want to learn. And that's what I always tell people is seek out someone who's already tried to do this a lot, make that connection. And so you kind of made that digital meeting place where people could come do some knowledge share. uh, And that's how Fresh Cap was born. Now, when you started this farm, was it friends, family? I know you said we, I'm guessing it wasn't just, you know, you in the van. So I'm guessing (laughs) Tony had some allies to get this thing started. So I guess just a little bit, how did that come together? And the reason I ask is I get a lot of people who message me saying, hey, I want to learn more about cultivating mushrooms and start my own small mushroom farm. Mm -hmm. So how did that little startup process work for you? So basically, it was just trial and error. So at first, we thought, okay, if we can do this at a, on a tiny scale, uh, how can we scale this up? And when I'm saying we, I'm talking me and the co-founder of Fresh Cap Mushrooms. Uh, she's you know the hugest part of the business. Her name's Tegan. Uh, she's also my wife. We're married, so we're in this together. Um, but she's always been such a huge supporter of everything that we're doing in Fresh Cap. So she was a huge part of you know helping put that farm together and. Um, you know, basically put up with all the crap around the house for a year when we were building the farm. Um, So yeah, it was just a matter of, I mean, trial and error, like building stuff, failing, you know, seeing, seeing what works and what doesn't work, what kind of species can we grow? What kind of species do people like, you know, how can we possibly compete with some of the other stuff that's in the grocery store? Right. Um, Who's actually going to buy this stuff? So, I mean, we got to the point where uh, we, we had all the mushrooms we could possibly ever eat. Family and friends were eating all the mushrooms they could possibly eat. And we got to the point where we were going to start putting them into grocery stores. And we actually got, you know, uh, the capability to do that with one of the larger retailers here in Canada. Um, but it would have required a pretty significant investment to get the farm up from, you know, where we were small, local scale to actually being able to supply grocery stores. And at the time when we were doing that, we just weren't ready to make that big leap. So that's kind of why we focused more on the smaller scale, teaching other people how to grow, building the community around mushrooms and just kind of seeing where that would lead. Um, right. So, yeah, we never did make the, the huge investment to um, a super large scale mushroom farm. I mean, the thing about mushroom farming, I mean, it's, it's a passion of mine. Growing mushrooms is such a huge passion for mine of mine. But mushroom farming is still farming. It is really difficult to do. Uh, margins are really thin. It needs to be done at scale. Um, it's a, it's a tough business. Um, I guess people don't realize that sometimes when they see mushrooms in the store is, you know, already mushrooms seem kind of expensive. Yeah. And it's like, I know a lot of mushroom farmers who are hardly making a margin on that mm-hmm. and you can't go much higher because the consumer doesn't want to pay more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing that I think works amazing at, you know, the level of farmer's market because um, people are willing to pay more at a farmer's market. And, you know, you don't have to worry about a lot of things as you would on a larger scale. You know, like the other thing, too, is like if you're if you're growing a fresh product, especially some of these specialty yellow oysters or pink oysters, they don't last that long either. So, I mean, you got to you got to be have that nailed down where once you harvest that mushroom, I mean, you want to get it in people's hands in two or three days. The clock's ticking. Yeah, totally. So, and that's one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of these mushrooms at the grocery store because they just don't do so well. They don't transport very well. They're very fragile. So yeah, it's a, it's a difficult business selling fresh mushrooms and definitely my hat goes off to people who are doing that full time right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, the reason I brought that up was mushroom farmers that I've talked to. There's a a company called Far West Fungi out here in the Bay area and I've had the chance, I'm sure you know about them. Oh Um, yeah. I've had the chance to interview uh, John Garone just briefly, and I asked him, you know, what's your one word of advice to someone who wants to start a mushroom farm? He was like, be careful what you wish for. A lot of work. (laughs) I was like, wow, okay. I I expected uh, something a little more heartening. And then even more so when I went to Pennsylvania and spoke with one of the last kind of gourmet mushroom growers who uses like American substrate and does their own cultures and really does the whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked him, you know, do you have... I'm sure people ask you for advice. Do you have advice for new mushroom farmers? He's like, yeah, my number one advice for people is usually don't. Wow. And I was like, okay, that, and at the time it was a couple of years ago. So I was still kind of just getting into mushrooms and kind of shatter my image of where we all can be mushroom farmers and <laughs> grow enough mushrooms, to feed the planet. He's like, no, don't, don't bother because it's a tough gig and it is hard to make money. And you're competing as you kind of alluded to, you're competing against some huge, huge mushroom uh, growers 
Yeah. And the outside market, you know, uh, other countries, mm-hmm. though, being an American, especially in those gourmet varieties like oyster, like, I mean, even shiitake now, it's getting harder and harder to be an American producer. Um, yep. So rather than make the huge capital investment, go get all your investors and do this huge mushroom farm, you thought, I'm going to actually teach other people how to grow mushrooms. Now, was that something that might have been more fulfilling to you than going that big commercial farm route? Yeah, I think so. Um, it was just it was just a kind of a passion of mine. It's just something I really like doing. And, you know, at the same time, I was getting pretty interested in digital marketing and entrepreneurship. So I'm learning all these things about building a website and, you know, a YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff. And um, I don't know if you ever listened to Scott Adams, uh, the guy who created Dilbert, but he talks about talent stacks. And that's one of these things that I really liked. like, you know, being a just a mushroom farmer and being the best in the world, that's really, really tough to do. But if you can be a mushroom farmer and have another talent that might be tangentially related to it, and you can stack that on top of each other, that's where you can kind of have some success. So I thought, you know, I'm pretty decent at growing mushrooms. I think I have something to offer there, but you know, I'm pretty decent at teaching other people stuff as well. So why don't I put those two things together and see where it can go? And that was kind of the next step in Fresh Cap. I thought, you know, this is this is a lot more fun. I'm going to start growing mushrooms for fun, experimenting, doing hobbies and all that kind of stuff and, you know, teach other people how to grow as well. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, leverage that talent stack and also right. leverage Tegan. Yep. Because we all know usually it's the wife or the girlfriend that's actually doing all the work. No, I'm just kidding. You know I always, what? That, I mean, that is true. And 99% of the time she is right on most of the decisions that we make. So, um, I mean... It, Tegan's background is uh, nutrition and food science and research and development and product development. So it really oh, wow. was, uh, you know, the, the thing that, that got us going into everything that we, we are able to do today, for sure. That sounds like the huge missing piece to your skill set as someone who's really familiar with food and food production. Yep. I mean, that's wow. What a, what a good team. What a dynamic duo you guys make. <laughs> yeah. um, now, what I, a, a thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit was just we've talked about, you know, mushroom farming, teaching people to grow mushrooms. Do you think it is sustainable for or, or practical for everyone to kind of grow their own mushrooms in a way that's going to effectively supplement their diet? You know, if you're talking medicinals, like could you grow enough lion's mane where you could take it for yourself, um, maybe eat it or powderize it and make it into something where you could take it for yourself and really make an impact or you know, I, I always wrestle with that question when I decide to grow mushrooms is once you get started, it's like, am I going to really be able to grow enough for myself that's going to mm-hmm. make this project worthwhile? Or, you know, should I just outsource it to a great product or a great yeah. mushroom farmer? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on people's interests, right? I think um, I, I definitely think it's possible to to supplement your diet by growing your own food, growing your, your own mushrooms. Um, I guess it depends on everybody's situation as well, right? Like if you have, say, a small apartment, uh, it, it might be pretty difficult to grow a lot of mushrooms. I mean, you can definitely right. do it, right? Get a kit. I mean, I, I grew mushrooms in a small condo. It's you can do it. But, you know, if you have a larger area where you can, you know, uh, change the conditions and build a grow room and do all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely possible. I think it depends on people's uh, individual situation. And the other thing too, is not everybody's got to go full stack growing mushrooms. I mean, you don't have to start by, you know, culturing and making your own grain spawn and, and doing all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can, you can buy quality grain spawn from a lot of people in the U S online. Um, there's a lot of people that are selling grain spawn or even mushroom kits. So, right. you know, I think that's a pretty good place to start. I mean, you can buy a mushroom block that you just take home, put it in something like a shotgun fruiting chamber, or even people put it in their bathroom or somewhere that's humid, slice it open. And, you know, a lot of the times mushrooms will grow. Um, and you know, if, if people find themselves interested in that, then you can right. kind of go further down the rabbit hole. So, and you know, there's some other companies doing really cool things as well, like small hold. They, they, they have these like little, uh, distributed farms. I forget they have a term for it, but basically like in the whole foods, or I think people can even get them and put their own in their community centers or in their home, but just these little tiny grow rooms that people can grow mushrooms in quite sustainably. So, um, you know, technology is going to change the way we grow mushrooms. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to dampen anybody's dreams of growing as many right, mushrooms right. as they can or, or supplementing their own diets with mushrooms, because I think it's possible. It just depends on your interest level and how deep you want to go. And maybe, you know, doing it in a way that kind of takes the pressure off. Like, yeah, maybe you don't need your own culture library. Maybe yep. you don't need to become an expert at sterile technique. Find those good resources of people who do make those good grow kits, that do make those good blocks 
where it's actually cost efficient to just buy the block with all of that work, mistakes made, everything already done for you. And then you can just bring that in and find a place to fruit it. And I guess deeper, that question kind of delineates from mycology as kind of a DIY hobby versus, you know, what I want to see is something that really can empower people. Hey, if you start growing mushrooms or maybe just fruiting your own mushrooms at home, you really can appreciably change your health and change your life because it adds enough supplementation to your diet. They're fresher. And you read my mind with small hold. I think that's part of their... Uh, value added or kind of part of their their ethos is we're going to give you the freshest mushrooms possible in a place where the community can gather and get these i had it written in my notes like community mushroom gardens um (laughs) yeah wondering if that's you know maybe if that's something in the future that would make it more practical and i can't help thinking especially of areas like inner city areas i'm from outside baltimore uh, maryland and it's like could we set up areas or community gardens where people would have real access to enough medicinal mushrooms where they could supplement and make a difference in their health. I think that could be a a game changer. Um, So that's why I asked my roundabout question. Yeah, I don't want to dampen anyone's interest. If you love growing mushrooms, you'll get a ton out of just growing mushrooms, even if it's not to, you know, be a huge part of your diet, you'll still get a ton out of it. But I just see this as like such an empowering thing. If there's a way that we can leverage people like yourself, people that have the knowledge, maybe with technology, something to make it more accessible to more people. Um, fresher mushrooms, fresher medicine. I think that could be, I think that could be a game changer. Um, so any resources to recommend for people that want to grow their mushrooms, any books that you started with, any YouTube videos that you got really into when you were getting going, any authors, mycologists in particular? Yeah, I mean, there's tons of stuff right now, which is awesome. Uh, YouTube is a great place to start. Uh, I know a lot of growers who have their own farms are constantly uploading videos. So, I mean, off the top of my head, Brian Callow from What the Fungus in Summerland, BC, he's got some pretty cool videos. Uh, T.R. Davis, I think he's out of the St. Louis area. He's got some pretty cool videos. And that's kind of for larger mushroom farms. Uh, But for people kind of just getting started, um, you know, like, Paul Stamet's books like uh, Growing Gourmet Medicinal Mushrooms. I mean, that's a great place to start. I mean, it's a little dated now, but like that's an awesome book that you can get it and just read it cover to cover and it will still teach you a lot about how to grow mushrooms. And, you know, like Reddit, Facebook, all these mushroom groups Mm -hmm. where you can get on and and start discussing with people. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like Facebook these days, but uh, the mushroom growing and the mushroom growers groups, I mean, there's like a million different ones, but find one that's got a lot of people and a lot of stuff going on in there and um, people love to help out, man. You just post pictures. Hey, I'm having trouble with this or, Hey, I'm new here. What can I do? And, uh, it's just such a great community uh, of people teaching other people how to grow. So, uh, yeah, between those books, uh, YouTube and, and Facebook groups, I think you got a pretty good advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll second that even for foraging. I'm the same way. I don't like Facebook that much anymore, but yeah, for mushroom growing and mushroom foraging, there are a lot of robust Facebook groups that really help a lot. And I'm curious if you've ever read the book, uh, Trad Cotter's new ish book, organic mushroom farming and micro remediation. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great book too. I should have mentioned that one. Um, you know, and like radical mycology is another good yeah. book. Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's tons of them. So, um, yeah, honestly, I would start just head over to Amazon, type in like growing mushrooms and like, there'll be tons of good stuff that comes up. And that's, uh, just... that's the real solution. Just go to Amazon, <laughs> type it in, man. I, I always forget that nowadays. Go to Amazon, go to Google, type it in. You'll learn in like a second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the truth is, and I guess going back to like the best way to get started is just to get started because, you know, the world of mushrooms is pretty overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. like, I mean, there's some textbooks out there, man. If you got that and you started reading and be like, I don't ever want to do this. I don't think I can do this. This looks way too hard. (laughs) Uh, But if you just get started, you know, like start with a kid or just start digging around playing around, experimenting, you might fail a lot, but like you're going to learn a ton and eventually, you you know, you'll crack the code and and be growing mushrooms. So uh, just get started is kind of what I usually say. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to kind of fall into the things that you're guided to, right? Like you don't need to know it all. If for some reason you had a passion about a certain mushroom or a certain area, like I just like culturing them or I, you know, don't be afraid to like follow that thread. I think that's really important too. Totally. Um, cool. So then as you're teaching people about cultivation, I noticed you said kind of around the world, how big was that community that was starting to go on freshcap.com? Oh man, it was crazy. And actually I'll tell you a story. Like I was 
you know, I had this website up and I was writing a lot of blogs and blog posts and stuff. And I was paying the hosting fees, which was nothing. I think it was like 10 bucks a month or whatever. Yeah. And I was going to delete the website. So I was like, I don't want to spend 10 bucks a month on something. So I installed like Google Analytics where you can go in and check, you know, how many people are actually visiting the website. And like my jaw hit the floor. I was like, holy smokes. I mean, lots of people were finding this valuable. And that kind of flipped in my head. And when I say all over the world, I mean like everywhere. Like I was getting emails from people in every country, you know, asking for support or advice or just reaching out and sharing ideas. So, you know, it was really borderless. You know, it, it's, it was pretty amazing. Um, the there was going to be a lot of people that you couldn't sh- shut down fresh cap at that point. There was going to be a <laughs> lot of upset people around the planet, Tony. <laughs> You need to keep right. that website up. Pay that ten dollars hosting fee. <laughs> no, it was it was crazy, and I'm I, like I'm really glad. Yeah, I'm really glad I did that because you know things could have changed. I was I was pretty much ready to just stop doing it and just kind of mm-hmm. do my own thing, growing mushrooms. But uh, yeah, there's there's an interest in that, and it just goes back to talking about the wave of interest in growing mushrooms and how fast um, this is mushrooming, for lack of a better word. Uh, a lot of people are getting into it and man, I couldn't be happier about it because the, the kingdom fungi is amazing. And the more people that know about it, the more people that are doing stuff with it, I think the better off we're all going to be. The learning is never going to stop as more and more people get into it. We're going to discover more and more things. People ask more and more questions, try new techniques. You know, just a couple months ago, I heard about this microwave tech technique where people were <laughs> like putting uh, grain jars into microwaves or something. Don't try that at home. I'm sure there was something <laughs> to it where things weren't going to explode. But it was just like these new techniques coming out of the woodwork. Um, and, you know, part of me is like, no, that's not the right way. But part of me is like, that's really cool. And that's how we're going to discover more things to make mushroom growing more accessible is yep. as more people get into it. Actually, so- I, I want to say one more thing on that point. I saw this one thing not that long ago. And I don't know why, but it just blew my mind. And some guy posted a picture of a bag of Uncle Ben's rice and basically, when they processed the rice, they, they sterilized or pasteurized or whatever. So inside the bag, it's sterile. So this guy's idea was, I'm just going to inject the culture into the bag and tape it over and see if I can make grain spawn. And it worked. You know, he opened the bag three oh, weeks later genius. and it had perfect grain spawn. It was like, man, how come nobody, I mean, <laughs> I never thought of that. That's, that's brilliant. So, yeah. That is, that is brilliant. Thanks, Uncle Ben. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm, I've never heard of that one. So, guys, mushroom growing is as easy as buying some Uncle Ben's rice. <laughs> right. Inject your culture right in there. That's, wow. Doesn't have to that's be complicated. Really cool. doesn't, doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, and that, that was actually something, just to circle back on that, that you pointed out, I've heard from other people, is you start getting really into mushroom cultivation. You get into sterile technique. And while that's all good stuff to learn – eventually you realize these organisms are a little more durable than we give them credit for. I mean, you do want to be concerned with sterilization. You, you want to understand what's going on kind of at that microbial level when they start lacing out as mycelium, what things they're coming up against, you know, other microorganisms. But you don't need to be quite as sterile. When I hear stories of commercial mushroom farms, they're not being sterile at all. Um, in some cases to like expand spawn out and that kind of thing. So, you know, it, it's interesting to see how that comes back around and you realize, wait, these, this is a little bit easier and a little, I can keep it a little bit more simple than, than I'm, than what I'm making it into. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, that's, that's something that I think every kind of mushroom grower learns as they go. Uh, especially when, when you can start with already commercially made spawn. Um, right. and especially when you're doing it on a small scale where if you do make a mistake, it's not like you're going to contaminate, you know, 10,000 bags of, of mushrooms. If you just make a small mistake and your project is ruined, well, you know, you learn it and, and you know, you do it differently next time. But uh, yeah, don't be afraid to experiment and see what you can do to make things easier for sure. Especially when your livelihood is not on the line. Um, <laughs> so then Fresh Cap, as it grew up as this mushroom cultivation hub, how did you then shift that focus into saying, okay, I'm really going to focus on medicinals now. I'm going to start making this into a, a brand a really slick brand, I might add. Your guys' branding, the packaging, all of it comes together really well. Um, so how did that shift happen? Was that something you were always interested in? Was there something that clicked, like you were taking a regimen of Lion's Man, you were like, I need to share this with people? How did that come about? It's a few different things. I mean, number one, I really do believe in the power of mushrooms. I mean, I used to, I used to get sick 
all the time. Like every three or four months I would get hit with the cold or, or whatever. And I'd be sick and it knocks you out for 10 days. And like, you know, it sucks because it ruins all your plans. Um, but honestly, ever since I started taking medicinal mushrooms, I just don't get sick anymore. Now I'm not going to say, Hey, take mushrooms and you're never gonna get sick. I mean, that's just my personal experience, but you know, also talking to people that have had amazing experiences with mushrooms. I mean, that's the number one reason why is, is we really do believe in it. The other thing is the more I learned about mushrooms, the more I learned about mushroom farming, the more I learned about how these supplements are produced, the more I realized that, you know, people aren't necessarily getting the mushroom supplements that they deserve. And I think we can do better. We can get better quality mushrooms to people. And like I said, putting my passion and knowledge of mushrooms and entrepreneurship and Tegan's passion for food and nutrition and product development, putting those two things together, it was just kind of a, a no brainer to go ahead and, and see if we could have some success uh, with functional mushrooms. And you know, we launched our first product in August of 2017, and that's when I realized there is a huge latent demand for quality mushrooms. And it's just been uh, that. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty wild since then. Well, there's a huge demand and there's a huge question mark. I think with a lot of people, including me, when you see some of these things proliferate and suddenly every brand is putting <clears throat> functional mushrooms in their product, mm-hmm. every brand is at least putting the word on there, we use medicinal mushrooms without a lot of, as far as I know, industry standards on what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the measurements of some of the compounds, you know, I, I know that in medicinal mushrooms, polysaccharide compounds are really big. Beta-glucan compounds are really big. I don't know where that shows up in nutrition facts. So when <laughs> I'm looking at a powder or a supplement, I don't know how many of those good compounds or micronutrients, some of these different things that are in medicinal mushrooms, I don't know how to determine, you know, what's how much of the good stuff is really in there. So I think that is really important to recognize that there's more and more demand for both the medicinal mushroom supplements and the education and the the integrity or the the uh, faith in the integrity of the producer to know that you're getting a medicine that really affects you and really is going to do something for you. Um, so I guess with you guys, how do you guys kind of maintain? the integrity of the medicine? Is there anything special you do with sourcing uh, or processing that makes sure you're delivering kind of the, the best medicine that you guys can? Yeah. So we have a strong focus on using the fruiting body, uh, like with no fillers, no added anything in the mushrooms. I mean, basically what we want is a really high quality products with measurable amounts of uh, not just polysaccharides, but beta-glucans or fungal beta-D-glucans. So you know, the thing that I do mainly now is I work to ensure the quality of the mushrooms, the quality of the supply chain, building those relationships, um, all the testing that we do with our mushrooms, et cetera. So, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into that. Um, the The quality of mushrooms on the market right now is absolutely insane. It's just such a broad spectrum. I mean, it goes from some mushroom products literally having no mushrooms in them whatsoever, uh, some being mostly fillers, some being, you know, just mushroom powder, some being powdered extracts, some being alcohol extracts, dual extracts. So it gets really complicated really quickly. And most people don't uh, really realize what it is in a mushroom supplement that they're taking. And a lot of people don't care enough to look into it because it's complicated, right? You think you're going to go buy, you know, lion's mane mushroom, Uh, you don't realize that that could mean it's, you know, a dozen different things. So our ethos is, you know, we we have what we believe in and what we want to do. We want to educate people on all the information they could possibly ever need to know and then let people make the decision on what works best for them uh, based on their experience and kind of what they're looking for. So um, yeah, our focus has always been on on quality, on on using real mushrooms and, and just delivering on that every time. So using fruit bodies is a thing that I know has intuitively always been clear that, yes, you want the fruit body and the mushroom. That's going to have more of those compounds that you want. That's going to have a bigger effect. But I know that there are companies that use myceliated grain and different things. Now, you probably would know better than I do. Have there been studies that have maybe not definitively but pointed to the fact that fruiting bodies have more of the good compounds and that's what you want to use or is it inconclusive? 
I wouldn't necessarily say it's inconclusive, but I mean, there's right. definitely been studies done on mycelium, on mycelated grain and on fruiting bodies. Um, but like, I don't think a consensus has ne- necessarily uh, been reached okay. um, just because, you know, it's a relatively new subject to explore and human physiology is so insanely complicated. Uh, clinical uh, research is so insanely difficult and expensive. So again, I think it really comes down to the efficacy of the product and how it's actually working for people. Um, and I think, again, the most important thing is just education. So if, you know, if you think you're getting lion's mane, for example, and you're getting something else, um, that's difficult for, for, for people to, to understand. So um, I know you can definitely, you know, do, do studies and, and measure, you know, beta-D-glucans is a, is a perfect example. We know that there's high levels of beta-D-glucans in the fruiting body. Uh, they need to be hot water extracted in order to become bioavailable. And, you know, there's been lots of studies on that. But there's also been studies on people using just mycelium. So um, I guess, you know, there's such a broad spectrum of research, and I don't think we really reached the consensus yet. I know where we stand as a company, but I can right. understand why people are exploring all these different options for sure. Well, and I know intuitively, like I said, that fruiting body would seem to be the way to go. Um, And I know that placebo can be strong, too, which when you read some of the research, that's part of the issue is placebo is really strong. And you can't tell, especially when you're talking about subjective evidence, not necessarily, you know, bio indicators. You know, you're not I, I at least the ones that I've seen aren't taking a tons of blood levels and really seeing what compounds are in there. Um, So when you're talking subjective you know, that can get thrown off by placebo. So it's hard to make that determination. But I did want to point out that you guys do use the fruit body. And so you guys hot water extract then for all your products. We do. We're starting to do some alcohol extractions as well. So, uh, you know, we're doing some products that will have dual extractions and alcohol extracted. So all of our uh, current products uh, right now, except for the mushroom collagen product is hot water extracted mushrooms. Uh, And the mushroom collagen, there is some uh, dual extracts in there as well. Got it. So mushroom collagen, what, what is that? So actually, we found that a lot of people were adding our mushrooms to collagen and making like a mushroom collagen coffee. So we decided to put those two things together and have one product that people could get both of those things in one scoop and add it to their coffee. And yeah, it's, it's been a pretty good product and a lot of people are enjoying it. I'm still behind on this collagen train. I see it being used everywhere and I, I'm not taking it. I feel like I need to get on board um, and start taking <laughs> collagen, integrating it into my diet. Is there any special synergy between collagen and mushrooms that you know about that seems to work well together? Are there any attributes or uh, compounds that seem to overlap and do well together? It's, I think it's just a good overall combination. I don't know if okay. like taking mushrooms and collagen at the same time has any kind of synergistic effect physiologically. Right. Um, but you know, that's what people, I was asking. That's okay. actually the good words to you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of people seem to do it and you know, we do it as well. And it's just, a, it's, I think it's a really good combination. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so for people that I know you told me that, hey, I'm not a scientist. I don't want to get too deep into the compounds and what they do for people. And I totally respect that. I don't like people putting me on the spot to identify every mushroom, you know, just because we're into it doesn't mean we know everything. So I guess what generally do just those two big ones we've been throwing around, what what do polysaccharides do? And then what are beta glucans? What do they do in the body? Yeah, so beta deglucans are a type of polysaccharide, so fungal beta deglucans, and and basically what they do is they modulate your immune system. So, I mean, if you can kind of think of your immune system as being the foundation for overall health, you can start to think, okay, well, if these are different types of beta glucans and they're modulating my immune system in different ways, they're going to have a bunch of different effects. So, you know, a lot of these mushrooms seem to get characterized by what they do. So lion's mane, for example, most people take it as a nootropic uh, for supporting cognition and memory and all the brain boosting benefits. Um, Cordyceps is another mushroom that's characterized as kind of the athlete's mushroom. Uh, It's a mushroom that's really good for increasing the efficiency in which we use our oxygen. So um, increasing the efficiency of the way oxygen is brought from our lungs to the rest of the cells of our body. Um, so yeah, each one of these different mushrooms kind of has their own character and and people will use them in different ways. And that actually leads right into some of the questions I had, which was what medicinals does fresh cap focus on, uh, at this point? So, So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now our most popular one is thrive six and in there there's a reishi, lion's mane, chaga, maitake, uh, turkey tail and cordyceps. 
but we also sell four of those mushrooms individually. So we sell the turkey tail extract, the lion's mane, the chaga. Um, and so we also have the mushroom collagen product, which I talked about, and we also have some mushrooms in capsules as well. Uh, we don't have reishi by itself. That's something we're definitely looking at doing, but we don't currently have that right now. Got it. But these are kind of the, the big six or the big seven medicinal mushrooms that I think folks hear a lot about. Uh, those are really what your focus is because those are really the most potent. Um, now, when we're talking about these medicinal mushrooms, inevitably, we're talking about obviously processing. We're talking about how you're using them, what they can do for the body. Where do these come from? And this is a conversation. The reason I started to get hesitant, this is a conversation that I have with a lot of people uh, is about sourcing. And for anyone who doesn't know out there, I think it's something like 85% or 90% of mushrooms that we get in the U.S., are grown in China. And I think it's higher than that, probably for medicinals. Mm -hmm. Now, what I'm starting to realize is maybe that's not a terrible thing. You know, instinctively, I think a lot of consumers in the Western world, especially in the US, uh, don't want to buy products from China. That's actually an old joke is uh, where do Americans know where their food comes from? Yeah, they all know it comes from the grocery store. But the one thing <laughs> they do know is where they don't want it to come from. And that's from China. So mm -hmm. For me, I, I've started learning about the medicinal, the history of medicinal mushrooms in China. That's really part of the culture. I mean, there's villages, there's whole people's lives devoted to these mushrooms. Um, so where do you guys source? And then how do you feel about that kind of that China question that I just brought up? Yeah, so that's definitely one that riles a lot of people up. And, it, you know, there's a lot of debate and people on either side of, of that question. I mean, when we started Fresh Cat Mushrooms, we didn't start by saying, you know, hey, we want to start a mushroom company, so we're going to go find a supply and, and put it out there and go. We said, okay, you know, if we're going to start a mushroom company, we want the very best mushrooms in the world. And the best mushrooms in the world right now, they come from China. Um, this is where you have the infrastructure, the knowledge base, the history, the climate, uh, everything you need to produce beautiful, high-quality mushrooms at scale. Um, but I can totally understand people's hesitation because like no matter what you're doing, like supplements or food or anything, you should probably know where that comes from. You should know how it's processed. You should know how, you know, you, the safety of it, the quality of it. And, you know, there are some crappy supplements that come from China. There's some crappy supplements that come from the U.S. Um, so you really do need to know and you need to pay attention. And, you know, that's why I said we spend so much time uh, supporting that, uh, that quality, uh, building relationships with growers, with the entire supply chain. And, you know, I've seen it with my own eyes. The, like you said, the, the fact that the culture there is so um, embedded with mushrooms and infused with mushrooms is true. It, like, it permeates every aspect of that culture. Um, have, you, have you been to China? Have you taken some trips over to there to any oh, of yeah. the medicinal farms? <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I've seen it. I've seen the whole the whole thing from from A to Z, and uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. I mean, there's there's places in China where they first discovered how to grow shiitake mushrooms over 800 years ago, and you think about that, like discovering how to cultivate shiitake 800 years ago, and basically the whole city is you know celebrates this on a daily basis. There's even like a temple that's dedicated to the guy who figured this out, and people go there and bring gifts, and there's a huge museum talking about the history of shiitake cultivation and how important it's been to bring prosperity to that area, and you know it, that just permeates all the way through. So you know, with medicinal mushrooms, the, the passion that people have for growing medicinal mushrooms is just unbelievable. Um, and the skill level is just incredible as well. You see some of these reishi mushroom farms and it's just unreal to, to see. So, um, but, but again, it, it's like anything else. You do have to, to pay attention where, uh, where stuff is coming from and, and how it's processed and, and, and the quality and safety of it, which is what we do every day. Yeah. And, and I mean, these in the terms of China, they're literally worshiping at the altar of the mushroom. You know, there's got to be some background and some history that can give me confidence as a consumer to say, OK, there are people doing this the right way that have a real appreciation for the mushroom that are using good farming techniques that are getting potent medicine out there. And so that's like I said, I had some hesitation. I don't love to bring it up with people because. You know, I know that for a lot of consumers out there, it's a big no-no, but I think it's important to also address it and pull it out in the open. And just this is kind of a reality of the world we live in that mm -hmm. 
a lot of, like you said, a lot of the best mushrooms come from China and really the East in general because they've been mycophilic cultures and had an appreciation for mushrooms a lot longer than we have. Exactly. So they're going to have more infrastructure. They're going to have a bigger knowledge base. That only makes sense to me. And while I think it is important to support you know, domestic producers and some more support small-scale farmers like you guys were, I think it's also important to realize that when you get to that bigger scale and you really want to supply medicine to a lot of people, you're going to have to bring it from the place where it comes from. Exactly. And I mean, also, when you think of mushrooms at a bigger scale, I mean, pe people picture these like industrialized cities, you know, full of smog where the mushrooms are growing. And it, it's honestly really not like that. The mushrooms really are grown high in the mountains on these small family farms that are kind of all over the place. And, you know, eventually they're sold into kind of a central market where people are able to, to buy these mushrooms and process them or whatever. But it's not, you know, it's not what you picture in your mind for sure. And the other thing I like to think about is, you know, it's analogous to take coffee, for example. Like if you were to go to Starbucks and you order a coffee, like the coffee comes from Guatemala or Colombia or somewhere where coffee grows and somewhere where people really know how to grow coffee. You wouldn't expect, you know, every cup of coffee do you have for the coffee beans to be sourced from Canada or from the U.S. or whatever. But for some reason, mushrooms, you know, people have that expectation. And right. to get, you know, quality processed and extracted fruiting body mushrooms from the U.S. is just not a reality right now. Um, so, you know, these are these are some of the barriers that we have to break down. But I, again, it all comes back to to quality. If for me, if, you know, if the best fruiting body mushrooms in the world were grown in Alberta, we would do it here. You know, right, so, right. so we, we search for quality and, and that's what, what leads us to, to China. So that's the guiding principle is the highest quality medicine, highest quality mushrooms to make the best possible products. Exactly. I mean, yeah. You guys. That's what it's always been. And yeah, you guys aren't just using the word medicinal mushroom and flying the banner to attract people to it and kind of what's become trendy. I mean, right. I, you have this deep history in working with mushrooms you have the ability to tell what's quality and what's not. And I think that's really important for people to know when they are selecting from that grocery store, you know, wall of everything mushroom is to know who's really doing it the right way and who's really focused on putting out the best possible medicine. Right. Because because I will add this as a corollary, like you can get crappy mushrooms from China. It's definitely right. possible. Like right. if you, you know, it, it's not that hard to start a supplement company now. And if you wanted to just go and go on Alibaba or whatever and get a source of mushrooms, people will send you mushrooms. But a lot of the times you're not going to know what it is. You'll have no idea of the, the quality. Um, a lot of times it'll be cut with maltodextrin. Um, you know, which is not necessarily going to be bad for you, but it's not going to be what you want. Right. Uh, and, and sometimes, in some cases, it's not even mushrooms. So, uh, yeah, I, again, it, it just, it, it's, it's a matter of not only where it comes from, but like, who, like China's a big country, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can get good quality stuff and you can also get bad quality stuff. Let's point well. that out. China <laughs> is a huge country. There's huge variation. So probably the most important thing is to have that relationship with the actual farmers themselves to go over there, to work with the people, to see where it's coming from, uh, just, just like anything else. So maybe we can kind of battle back against that stigma of Chinese mushrooms, you know, cultivate the domestic market, but also recognize for the best possible medicinal products where the source is. So, right. you know, that kind of leads me into another, not exactly a corollary, but as we're talking about medicinals, I have a lot of people reach out to me about forest, what I would call forest medicinals, what I would call things that aren't commercially cultivated. Like someone reached out to me about, you know, the red belted polypore uh, and someone reached out to me about agaricon and some of these other big, hard polypore mushrooms that have medicinal compounds. Do you see any kind of future in those being used uh, in powders or supplements? Or is that just not practical because they can't be grown? Yeah, I mean, I think just, just because a mushroom can't be grown, I think it still can be practical to to use them as a supplement. I think chaga is a pretty good example of that. Yeah. Um, you know, which is a wild harvested species. But I think, you know, this just goes back to how how little we still know about the world of mushrooms, right? I mean, um, there'll be new things discovered all the time. And, uh, you know, I think stuff like agaricon is, is a pretty good example. I mean, we, we still know so little about it, right? Um but it's it's that one's a lot more rare, so I don't know how how that one would actually be, you know, 
using his supplement. Yeah, I threw this like uh, old growth giant <laughs> mushroom out there that almost no one has access to, you know, but, but yeah. I do get a lot of questions about, you know, that, that kind of herbal medicine that you're not seeing in a lot of supplements. And I just wonder if there's going to be that wave too, eventually of, you know, outside of our general six or seven really potent medicinal mushrooms that people are using, getting more familiar with, is it going to be this explosion into realizing like, oh, there are medicinal compounds in maybe a couple dozen different mushrooms and how we can integrate those. Um, it's just something that's always been on my mind. And when I'm going through the forest, when I'm foraging, you know, if I see some of these other polypores, I, I wonder, I, I kind of have that knowledge gap where I'm not exactly sure what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily pick it, even if I've heard, you know, <laughs> a folktale or kind of some general knowledge, I won't really mess with it. So, you know, I just wondered if that was something that's ever going to enter that milieu of maybe like commercial, commercially available supplements, something like that. But it sounds like at least not for the foreseeable future until we, until we learn some more. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, there's so many species of mushrooms and there's still so much to learn that uh, people are going to continue to discover new things that they didn't know and things that might be beneficial for our health. And um, if that happens, there will definitely be a market for it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Now for the products you guys do use for talking, you know, less fanciful mushrooms here, uh, the products that you guys do actually have and do use, do you have any recommendations for people to get the maximal benefit out of a medicinal mushroom regimen? You know, how often do you think people should take it? Maybe is there a like kind of a maintenance level or if you have a certain ailment, should you really focus on a certain mushroom? Again, we're prefacing it. You're not a doctor. I don't expect anyone to take this as medical advice. But just from your own experience and the stories you've heard, what are some you know, day-to-day health benefits or, or health effects that people are trying to achieve? What are some day-to-day recommendations for usage? So I like to use just a, a blend of medicinal mushrooms um, that I kind of – I have the capsules if I'm traveling or I'll put it in my coffee kind of throughout the week. Um, I think if you're trying to s- treat a specific condition, uh, then, you know, definitely the best advice is to kind of reach out to a natural healthcare practitioner or somebody who knows kind of the, uh, the uniqueness of, of your physiology and what you might be going through. But just for general people, um, you know, we suggest kind of one gram per day of, of on our products, but a lot of people will go up to two or three grams per day. The way I like to use it, if I feel like I'm getting run down or feel like I'm getting sick, then I'll kind of like, you know, super dose on mushrooms and that'll kind of kick me into gear. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's whatever works for you and what, what you're trying to achieve. Uh, you know, best is to kind of dig into the literature a little bit or reach out to someone who can know a little bit more about your specific condition and recommend a mushroom for that. Right, right. And I'm assuming that everyone's physiology, they respond to some of these mushrooms a little bit differently. Totally. That's, yeah, that's 100% true. Um, And, you know, everybody has kind of different goals that they're trying to achieve. So uh, it's really a a personal experience, I think, uh, what you want to supplement with. So as much as I want it to be kind of the one size fits all panacea, if I just pump medicinal mushrooms, I'll be, you know, impervious to my outside environment. That's not really the case. And, you know, some of those mushrooms may not react with my system as they would another person. So I think what I'm taking away is if you're going to start a medicinal mushroom regimen, you know, it might be good to consult with some kind of natural healthcare practitioner who has a little bit of experience with the fungi and can kind of put together a certain formulation or an individualized regimen if you want to really, really get into it. Um, or you can take just, you know, one of your guys blends a gram or so a day and kind of get some of those beneficial effects. Now, a- as I'm laying that whole path out, can you really overdose on these though? I mean, can anything bad happen to you if you take too much medicinal mushroom? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to say the no, for sure. Nothing can, you know, nothing bad can happen. I mean, people right. can be allergic to mushrooms or have different reactions. Um, but I mean, these things are generally really, really safe, uh, natural products. So, um, yeah, I don't think you, you got to be concerned about trying a, a, a regular dose of mushrooms. I think if, if people are trying to super dose all the time or take tons of these things to treat a specific condition, then, um, then you never know. Right. But, right. uh, you know, for just regular kind of maintenance doses, uh, they're very safe. I just realized I wanted to maybe scale back as I was giving my PSA about your natural health practitioner before you touch a medicinal mushroom. No, 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 no. You can actually take these. They're going to be fine. They're going to, they're going to, you know, benefit your health. If not, you know, be neutral. So don't be afraid to jump in. But, um, but yeah, if you're trying to get 
some kind of planned outcome or some kind of ailment you're trying to treat, then consult with a natural health practitioner. So what I, I saw on your guys' page, we've talked about powders. We've talked about you know your different products. I saw dog treats on your page. Right, yeah. I am a dog owner, me and millions of others. So what are the dog treats and what can those do for our pets? Do they, can they have some of these same benefits to animals as they do to humans? Yeah, absolutely. Like medicinal mushrooms are safe and effective for dogs. And one of the reasons we developed that product was we found a lot of people actually were buying our powders and putting it on their dog's kibble. It's a really popular supplement for dogs. Dogs respond really well to it. It really supports their immune system. And people use mushrooms uh, you know, for their dogs for a whole host of different reasons, much the same as humans use uh, medicinal mushrooms. So we thought it would be fun to put together, you know, a Instead of just a powder that they put on kibble and you got to kind of force your dog to eat, uh, just kind of a fun and, and tasty little mushroom shaped chew that the dog would actually enjoy and could have the benefits of mushrooms. So, uh, yeah, it's it's totally veterinarian formulated. Um, it's safe and effective for dogs and it's, it's really fun. We had uh, a bunch of taste testers. Developing dog products is really fun because dogs are, they're totally honest and it took a long time to get that one, right? Like we, we would, you know, thought we perfected the formula and would give it to her dog and she'd just be like, I don't want this. Why would I want to eat that? That's not good. (laughs) So it took a long time, but you know, when they finally did enjoy it, uh, you knew that, you know, it was something that was going to work. So yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, our dog, Nova, who is kind of the, the cheerleader behind this whole thing, she had a lot of issues uh, growing up and she had a really weakened immune system because of a huge dose of antibiotics that she was on because of an infection she had before she was one years old. So um, we use the mushrooms on her to support her immune system. But, you know, lots of people use mushrooms on their dogs for all sorts of different reasons. Right. I use it on my, uh, my dog, Lola. We use turkey tail with her, you know, a lot of times what we'll do is take the fresh turkey tail that we get, dehydrate it, grind it up into powder, sprinkle it on her kibble. And it's like you said, then it's like trying to trick her into eating that too, you know, (laughs) trying to figure out how to make her ingest that powder. So when I saw that you guys were doing something for dogs, I was really stoked because I've seen my dog have a great uh, benefit. You know, my dog actually has a small, I think it's not a malignant tumor on her tail, Uh, Mm -hmm. Just one of those little bumps that a lot of dogs get as they get older. And my natural thought was, oh, we can supplement with turkey tail. I know that has a lot of anti-tumoral agents in it. And it's having a great effect. I mean, the tumor hasn't grown at all. Our vet was asking us, you know, what are you giving to Lola? Because this tumor, they took these little uh, aspirate samples to kind of examine under a microscope. And they're like, we're not seeing a lot of cell division or growth here. Like, what are you guys doing? And well, we're trying to get her to eat turkey tail as best we can. So I love that idea of being able to integrate some of these medicines into our dog's diet and giving them some health effects because mm-hmm. dogs especially have a lot of those kind of longer term nonspecific ailments that are hard to deal with. And I don't want to give my dog, you know, a lot of drugs or pharmaceuticals, right? I feel really weird about that. So yep. it was just, and, and I've peppered a lot of different mushroom companies with, hey, can I feed this to my dog? Hey, can, and they're kind of like, eh, we don't recommend it. Um, really? Well, just because they don't know. I've yeah. had a couple of them reach back out to me and say, like, we're not sure we might develop something for dogs. You know, we can't fully endorse using it. So seeing seeing you guys develop something for dogs was kind of my my dream come true as a little <laughs> dog owner. Yeah, and, I know. Like a lot of companies do now, actually, they'll they'll say even on their uh, human products like that they're safe and effective for dogs because, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of people that that want to use it on their dogs and, and dogs do get a lot of benefit from it. So, um yeah, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Now that kind of leads me, I know that's a newer product, but that kind of leads me into the future of Fresh Cap. I mean, you've transformed this from kind of your own small scale farm to an online community where you're helping people all over the planet cultivate mushrooms to now where you're exploring the best potent medicinals you can offer and putting out products. So then what is the future of Fresh Cap um, as a company? Yeah. So we're really excited. We're, we're kind of just getting started here. Um, we want to continue to educate and just bring mushrooms to the world on a, on a big scale so people can get those benefits of mushrooms. So, you know, we're looking at increasing the, the breadth and depth of, of products that we offer. So, 
you know, right now, for example, we have capsules and we have powders that you can just put in coffee or put in smoothies or whatever. But we realize, you know, not everybody has time for that. And some people want some more convenient options. So we're looking at different ways to um, put efficacious doses of mushrooms into different everyday products that people like to use. Uh, definitely not just fairy dusting or something that you mentioned earlier is just some people will put mushrooms in everything. Uh, right. But, you know, efficacious doses of, of mushrooms in, in all sorts of different products. So, um, yeah, we got some new products launching in the next two months. I can't say too much about it. I don't know when this is going to this podcast is going to air, but uh, very soon we'll have some new products that will be uh, a big part of what we're doing this year. And uh, yeah, expect expect lots more to come. We're going to continue to you know produce content and hopefully educate people about mushrooms and just spread the world about about the fifth kingdom and, and the magic therein. So we're really excited. Well, I do hope you keep making content because your guys cooking videos and some of the stuff you're putting out about food and using your products as kind of an additive to these delicious food recipes. I mean, not only is it inspiring, but it's like makes me hungry. I love it. I love watching <laughs> you guys make food and integrate these medicinal mushrooms uh, into, you know, some some delicious dish, not necessarily having to take it as much as a medicine or a supplement, but something right. you can just integrate into the diet. I think yeah. that's really cool. And now that we've spoken, I think I know who may be largely responsible for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tegan's doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And she's she's awesome at it. She does. She's yeah, she's definitely a lot more behind the scenes than because I'm doing you know a lot of the videos and stuff like that. But uh, Tegan's really driving a lot of what we're doing here at Fresh Cap, and uh, yeah, she's she's a big part of it. So definitely the recipes and the smoothies and everything we're doing there that's that's her handiwork for sure. That that's that's her world. And how is that working with your partner at a business? Because you know, for me, with I, I do these goofy videos on Instagram, but my partner is really the one who does all the work in kind of taking the videos and editing and pushing me to do it. And I think it's a super fulfilling aspect of our relationship. I know a lot of people think, oh, don't work with your spouse because, you know, you'll see too much of each other. But I feel like creating something, this isn't mushroom specific, I guess. Maybe it is just when you work with mushrooms with your spouse. It's amazing. No, um, <laughs> but I feel like creating something together like that, like a business or something really brings you closer together and like really makes this awesome relationship. And whatever you guys both put your communal energy into seems to grow like 10 times faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. Like, you know, we've been together for a really, really long time. So it's kind of just, it just totally seems normal to spend every day together and be working on, on something together. Right. Um, but it is really amazing. And sometimes I just kind of have to pinch myself to, to think about how, how great it is. I mean, you know, we go to the same place every day and work on the same business and we're always talking about the same things. Um, I mean, it can a little bit, it's hard to pull away from it is, is one of the things that's a little bit difficult because no matter what you're doing every hour of the day, you're thinking about some aspect of the business or some aspect sure. about something that you're doing. So it is kind of hard to delineate that, but uh, it's, it's totally worth it. It's, it's just really great. And it's been a, a great journey. Uh, so far, what we've done at Fresh Cab has kind of exceeded anything we ever thought that we would be able to do. And it just continues to grow. So yeah, we're, we're definitely excited to be working together, but now starting to grow our team outside of that. Yeah. And I was going to ask that if it's still you guys both running the show or if you're starting to kind of build out and get some more people on board to help, you know, is the business kind of expanding that way? Yeah, it is a little bit. So we're starting to work with, um, we, we only have kind of one in-house employee and he, he's great. His name's John. He helps us a lot with the website and some of the other things that we're doing. Um, so, you know, there's a small team of three of us here in, in Alberta, but we work with a lot of various people all over the place, kind of remotely to help us do uh, different things. So um, it's, you know, not the most well-organized thing right now, but we are starting to, you know, put a little more structure into it and, and build it out that way. But yeah, it's always interesting for me to hear about, you know, that that first jump point of, you know, just from you or you and your partner doing something to, OK, eventually we're going to have to bring people on the team. We're going to have to outsource some of these jobs to ever have a hope of delineating work from, you know, downtime. We're going to have to have some other people helping with these piling up amounts of work. And that's a great place to be. Like, I'm really excited for you guys to see that happening. Um, and yeah, I think. I think that because you have the right ethos and you are putting out good products, I, I would love to have people support you so you guys can really grow and continue to kind of spread the mycelium of fresh cap all over. Uh, 
Well, thanks, man. Yeah, it has been it has been an awesome journey, and it's just been so great, you know, being able to meet people and, and share things with people. And uh, you know, the community, the, the mushroom community, has been just so supportive in general. Everybody's just so awesome. So you know that that part's been really easy, actually. Just you know, it, having that ethos, that good ethos, and, and spreading the word, and 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 you know, being part of the community has just made everything else that we do uh, so much easier. So it's it's been a great journey, and I hope it continues to be for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So are you guys in stores just in Canada? Are you in the U.S. as well? Kind of what's the best place for people to get their hands on Fresh Cap? Yeah. So primarily on Amazon.com or FreshCapMushrooms.com. We're starting to get into some retail in the U.S., but it's still pretty small. Um, So you're pretty unlikely to to just walk into a store and see it. But um, we will start to be in some more stores pretty pretty soon. But yeah, Amazon or FreshCapMushrooms.com is definitely the best place. Go to Amazon.com and then your guys' social media, Fresh Cat Mushrooms. What yep. what are all the tags where people can find you guys on TikTok yet? You know what? I, I did start a TikTok and I'm trying nice. to figure out what the heck is going on there. I, it's it's crazy, man. Uh, I love it. But yeah, uh, yeah, we're just at Fresh Cap on TikTok. I think I have like four videos, so don't expect much there. But yeah, at Fresh Cat Mushrooms on Instagram. My personal one's at Fresh Cap Tony uh, go to freshcatmushrooms.com is, is kind of the best place, or you can always just send us an email, you know, support at freshcatmushrooms.com and, and we're there. So, um, like I said, it's still a pretty small team. So we're reading everything that comes in and we're, we're happy to talk to people and, you know, have, have fun with it. So if you ever want to reach out, uh, just, yeah, hit us up on any one of those channels and, and we'll be there. Some friendly Canadians there to, <laughs> to help you guys out, answer your questions and, uh, bring you as part of the, the mushroom family. So do you have any other final thoughts, anything we haven't touched on that you want to make sure we cover for people out there? I don't think so. Uh, I just, you know, I just, I one thing, I love everything that you're doing and you know, all the, all the mushroom knowledge that you're spreading. So it's just really cool. And I just, uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. I think the mycological community and the mushroom community just, you know, it's growing, but we still need a lot more people like you spreading the good words about mushrooms. So, um, you know, that's great. And I just think it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I, I hope to, to share the magic of, of mushrooms with everybody. And I hope it just keeps growing. And people don't be scared to get involved. That's one of my big takeaways from speaking with you is don't be afraid to start growing mushrooms. Don't be afraid to look into medicinals. Don't be afraid to really embrace the mushroom world because you know, people are really friendly. There's more resources than ever. Not like when Tony started, there's more resources online and everything to, to get involved with. So I think it's, it's really a kind of a call to action for people to really embrace their passion for mushrooms. And I'm lucky enough to have a little soapbox that I stand up on an Instagram and it gave me the opportunity to talk with people like yourself, other inspiring people in the mycological community. And I got to say, it's been the biggest gift. You know, it's taught me a ton. It's introduced me to a lot of interesting people. So I, I really appreciate that. But really the biggest gift in it for me is meeting people like you. So awesome, man. Right back at you. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll wrap it up. But thanks to you, Tony, for giving us your time. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me here. That was a ton of fun.